The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. It's, uh, it's really, really good to be with you all. Can you hear me? Is that? I guess you're quieting down. So uh, <laughs> You just sense the hush come over the room. Um, a couple things before we get started. The first is uh, that we ran out of coffee yesterday, so this is my first cup of coffee today. Oh, wow. And it is just something to give thanks for. Just, uh, <laughs> I had to explain to Elliot a couple times this morning, Elliot, this is what your parents look like without coffee. We're really sorry. <clears throat> you know, it's good for parents to apologize to their kids for important <laughs> things like that. Um, and uh, I also want to make mention, um, it hasn't yet made it into the slides, but um, something that we're looking forward to, something we're anticipating in the next uh, month or so is to restart our, our uh, kids' church program here. And uh, I, I want to share that with you probably because some of you have kids and then some of you probably have friends who have kids that have, have said, you know, I'd love to come to the refuge, but... Uh, you know, I'm not into crowling my kids, and <laughs> that's what we do right now, for better or worse, and, and we're excited about, about that becoming more organized. We love families, and we, we really want to invest in the discipleship of the whole family, and, uh, and so uh, Melissa and Erica are going to be um, helping spearhead that. We're meeting Tuesday, and then later this month, it's also kind of a plug for uh, the 30th when we have our refuge family meeting that we're going to talk more about that. So uh, if you want to come for more than just the food, you know there's some other things to be excited for as well. So, sound good? Yeah! yeah. Okay, <laughs> I, know. I didn't know if that was like an excitement, but uh, Okay. I'm going to start today with a prayer that we're also going to end with. As you know, we're going through um, eight sermons that, that track with the road, road to recovery, with Celebrate Recovery, as we help launch a program with the Coffee Oasis. And I'm going to start with a prayer that, that ends uh, the first section and uh, as our, I'm going to use it as our prayer of confession and give us some time to, to pray individually before we get into our time together. Pray with me. Dear God, I've tried to do it all by myself, on my own power, and I have failed. Today I want to turn my life over to you. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. You are the one and only higher power. I ask that you help me to think less about me and my will. I want to daily turn my will over to you, to daily seek your direction and wisdom for my life. Please continue to help me overcome my hurts, my habits, my hang-ups, and that victory over them may help others as they see your power at work in changing my life. Help me to do your will always. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You just want to take a minute to pray and prepare your heart for listening to the word.
Father, we, we start our time just by thanking you for your never-ending love, your mercies that are new every morning, uh, the picture you give us of yourself, of the Father whose arms are extended, uh, excited for our return, excited to be with us, to spend time together. God, I pray that our hearts will share that excitement. Uh, God, put our thoughts and our hearts um, to rest right now. Um, that we are able to rest and just take in your word to hear. And God, with that, I pray that you'll be healing our hearts and helping us see you and live for you in this world. We pray this in Jesus', Jesus name, amen. Amen. Here's our introduction to our series. <clears throat> you have been stolen from, and what has been taken cannot be replaced with money. It is your very life that has been lost. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. This sermon series will show how your life was lost and how Jesus can restore a new and full life. These eight principles are also called the road to recovery and is a part of Celebrate Recovery. We hope that many of you will find new life in Christ and will choose to help others be restored to life through Celebrate Recovery at the Coffee Oasis. Have you ever wanted to be a part of a group, like a specific group? Maybe you feel like you're an outsider or you just you know, kind of want to change allegiances. You know, you've been going with the punk crew, and now you want to go with the R&B crowd. <laughs> that, that probably doesn't relate with any of you right now, but, you know, I, once at community group, we asked this question, do you remember going through a fad in your life, like some, some time in your life that, you know, you, for me, I permed my hair in high school, and it, I was following no crowd. Let's just be, let's be honest here. Nobody else was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but was there a time of life you went through specifically to relate? And I think we all, all can think of a time where whether it was the music we listened to, the way we acted, the way we spoke, or the way we dressed, we related with a certain group of people, right? Just look at pictures of yourself in high school. You know, <laughs> you can't immediately relate with this. There's been times of life where where everything we do is really to, to find our place somewhere. I think a humorous example of this is uh, my old roommate, Carl and Sam, would talk about REI Johnny's. I actually looked up that, I don't think that's a real thing, but it is a real thing, and it's hilarious because they would call REI Johnny's these people who, they would go out for a hike, and before they went for a hike, you know, maybe like a mile and a half nature, trail they would go get their like camelback they'd get their like wicking pants they'd get like five thousand dollars worth of gear just for a little nature hike you know and you see these people out there like you know the people who are authentic hikers because they're still wearing external frame backpacks right they, they they're not like counting the pounds they're just out there doing the work right but but then there's other people that are like man i need to fit in before i do it right before I'm a part of what's happening, I need to get all the right stuff and look the right way and sound the right way. 
It oftentimes can be like that when you are coming to a church or you're interested in, in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What does it look like, sound like? Sometimes we immediately think, I, I don't, I'm not going to belong there simply because they all know how to pray. You know, they have these long prayers and I simply, I'm, I'm still at the part of like, hey Jesus, that's what my, my prayer still sounds like. And what does that look, look like for us to... to Enter into the family of God, become a a part of Christ's body, right? And so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today on the third principle. We've worked our way here, the first principle being realizing that I'm not God. I admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and that my life is unmanageable. That's kind of where we started. I'm I'm not... God, I'm just, I realize I'm powerless. And the second principle was that God is real. I earnestly believe that God exists and that I matter to him and that he has a power uh, to help me recover. Now the third step is committing to Christ. What does it look like to, to go from I'm powerless, I'm not God, like I believe in maybe a, a higher power to going, man, God exists, God's real. I've heard about this Jesus and he just, his grace, his love is something like I realize this fits this hole in my life. I want that. Then, then how do you take that next step to co- commit to Jesus? I'm going to follow Jesus. He's going to be the, the one for me. What does that look like? Now, before we consider taking that step, I, I want you to know the sort of people you'll be following with if you choose to make that step. Now, just taking a snapshot of the New Testament, it is sort of a notorious group of people, right? I mean, even starting at the very beginning of Matthew, you have these, uh, this genealogy of Jesus, and, and genealogies rarely, uh, rarely show women in them, but there's four women in the genealogy of Jesus, and one's a prostitute, right? One, the, the child comes from an adulterous relationship, right? And, and it is, it's not going like, it's not throwing shade at these women. It's not saying these are bad women. It's showing that these are women who became like righteous moms who led their families well, and they're in the genealogy of Jesus, right? <laughs> That's this amazing redemptive story we get in the genealogy of Jesus. But these are the people you're going to be relating to. You go to John the Baptist, who's this weirdo out in the desert, who's like dressing in camel skin that even then wasn't cool, and eating locusts, which even then wasn't on the menu, right? That's John the Baptist. You go to his disciples, and he begins by calling fishermen. This literally is what people said about them. It says, uh, in Acts 4.13, when they saw Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished and took note that they'd been with Jesus. He's calling people that they're like, they're not the brightest bunch. Like the, he called tax collectors. This is in Matthew 9. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, who's a tax collector, many other tax collectors came who were like, basically the... Um, they had betrayed their nation, and, they, and then they were taking uh, money from their people and giving it to the enemy. That was tax collectors. So these tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Luke 7, Jesus is eating at a meal, and this woman, who it simply says was a sinful woman. 
We're assuming she was probably a prostitute, since she was this notoriously sinful woman. But she comes and she is marked by her love for Jesus. While the Pharisees trying to test her and figure her out, figure out Jesus, this woman comes and she's just, she, she's just loving Jesus. She's weeping on him and like trying to dry his feet with her hair. <laughs> like, is that what it means to commit to follow Jesus? Well, these are going to be the people you hang out with, right? Like, these are the people. You're like, these are my people. It's so helpful to, to get a snapshot of this because these are your associates if you take step three, if you follow principle three and, and commit to following Jesus. It seems like Jesus, if you read the Bible, will take just about anybody. Right? You have to draw that from the text. If you take a close look, it looks like Jesus sort of like it socially, economically, everything speaking sort of scraped the bottom of the barrel and raises it to the top and goes, these are mine. That, <laughs> that's where we're at here. In Luke 5, Jesus says, I've not, not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners. These are my people. So, if Jesus takes these people, these people, and, when, and I know we're still thinking those people, right? But if any of us say, I'm a follower of Jesus, we are part of these people. These notorious people that know they just need Jesus. That there's no righteousness on their own, but there's only righteousness in Jesus. If Jesus takes these people, then what sort of commitment is he asking for? If he takes the tax collector, if he takes the fisherman, <laughs> if he takes the prostitute, what, what sort of commitment can all of them make? And we are introduced to that really simply in Romans 10.9, which is this. If you, if you want to know the simplest creed, it is this. Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. It's the, very, it's the simplest creed you can make of, and creed being like the essence of your belief is this. Jesus is Lord and God has raised Jesus from the dead. Now I'm going to unpack those really quick before we get into the rest of the content because it's important for us to know this is the bottom line commitment for you to be a part of God's family, right? Is this. Jesus is Lordship and it simply means this, that I believe Jesus is the ruler, supreme ruler of all things. That when we talk about higher powers, why in Celebrate Recovery they say Jesus because there is no higher power than Jesus. Jesus is the name above every name. In Philippians 2.9 it says this, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledges that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is something that those who commit to Jesus, commit to Christ, do. They acknowledge Jesus' lordship. They declare it and they share it. That is the essence of being a follower of Jesus. Now the second part is this. It's interesting. I think that's probably one that all of us could pick, but then if we said, what's the second thing? Maybe all of us wouldn't think that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's like the second big point here. And the reason for that is this. That 
in the resurrection of Jesus from the, from the dead, we see, I think, many things, but two things primarily for us, that there is victory over our final enemy. There is no enemy for a human being like death. Death is the final, most uh, daunting enemy we have because we all face it and we all lose other than Jesus. (laughs) And Jesus defeated death. Jesus successfully not only defeated death, but describing what that meant, he says, I have, in my death, paid the penalty for your sins. I've taken your death. I've died your death so that in me you can live. That's what we're saying when we say, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, that I believe that all my sins, my death was all done in his death. So my, I will die one day, but I will live again in Jesus because Death has no hold on Jesus, and now death has no hold on me. Right? So we believe these two things. Jesus is Lord, and God raised Jesus from the dead. We really could end the sermon there, right? But all of us know that as we're working on this road to recovery, that's a part along the way, right? Uh, many of us know that we've said, Jesus, your Lord, and we've said, I believe God raised Jesus from the dead, and we're still wrestling with stuff, right? We don't see all our habits gone in the blink of an eye, even though we wish that they were, right? Wouldn't that be wonderful if, like, if we said magic words, and then, boom, like, oh, you know, you're like, like, you come and you say it, and you're just like, we float out of here. But that, <laughs> that isn't what's happening, so, so what does it look like to do that, to commit to Christ and then, and then learn to walk in that freedom? And there's two, two things that they mention that we're going to hone in on. And the first is, um, and we'll just call these traits of a committed person, someone who's committed to Christ. And the first, they use the word, word turn, but I just think that's a really weird word, a clumsy, I don't understand honestly what they mean. So we're going to say repentance because that is, that is actually I believe what they're trying to say here. Because <laughs> re- repentance literally means this change of mind. Like to, to have my mindset on one thing. And when I repent, I go, man, my mindset is different now. And this is exactly what Jesus calls people to. The word Jesus says isn't turned. It's actually repent. Over and over again. Listen, Matthew four seventeen, Jesus began preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew eleven twenty, It says Jesus denounced some towns where most of his miracles were done because they didn't repent. Because when they saw who he was and what he could do, they, they, their minds stayed the same, right? Luke 13, 3, um, Jesus says, unless you repent, you too will perish. He goes, I, I invite you also to have a change of heart, change of mind. And then we see this, this model of Jesus repeated in Acts 2, where Peter says, after his big sermon in Acts 2, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. So what's Jesus asking us to do in this change of heart? And I think there's three things. And uh, I'm going to say these, and you're going to go probably, man, I've felt that way, I've thought that way, I've done that before. I think repentance involves this. Your feelings, thinking, and your doing, and it's your feeling in that you do feel sorry for what you've done. I think that's important to repentance. You, you feel the gravity. You feel the weight of what you've done. You, you, you're thinking through it, right? That you, 
you know that what you've done is wrong. And then you're doing, which is now you commit to rejecting that old way and living in a new way. Now, I know when I say that, feeling a remorse, knowing it was wrong and then committing to do different is is only uh, something that you, you probably hear, especially if you're right now sitting with a habit that you just can't seem to get past, right? And it just keeps keep hitting you and your soul's still suffering from it. And you're going, man, I've done those things. Well, remember, we're on principle three, and I think the first two are important to remember right now, right? But the first is, I'm not God. I'm powerless, my life's unmanageable. <laughs> That's where I start. I don't start by going, man, I feel terrible. I know it's wrong. I, I be, need to go back again and go, I, I admit I'm powerless, even though I feel, know, and commit, I know I'm powerless to make that happen, right? That's, that's step one. And step two going, now I know God. I know when I'm saying these things, I now know God who is powerful, who is the highest power, right? Who is supreme over all things. And I'm saying these things as one who is powerless. Don't, don't think that just because you're saying those things, all of a sudden, you're the power. At no point are you the powerful one. You're acknowledging and you are committing to do something. Now, well, how does this look like in our lives? Now, I'm going to make this really personal and practical. If someone is, and I'm just going to mention some things that could be very true of even people sitting here. You could be a closet drinker and it consumes your life outside of work. Your thoughts Whenever you're not doing something else, go back to that. You could be reckless at spending money, whether that's on clothing or gambling. You could be angry and it's impacting your family. Something happens, coffee spills, and all of a sudden you see red, right? You could have a sex addiction and your soul feels shattered in a thousand pieces, but you don't know how to say no. You don't know how to stop looking or doing or whatever, right? These are things that are real and you have to talk about here because oftentimes... Because we think, because I feel and I know and I've committed, I, I just simply am not a part of God's family because this is still true of my life. And I'm, and I'm wrestling with that. What does that look like for someone who really, really wants to commit to Christ who, who is in that spot? Man, I, I'm, God, my life still feels so, so un, unmanageable. What do I do right now? Well, this is as we, we go on and we have the heart of repentance. Jesus is calling us to action. And let me clarify the action he is calling us to. He's calling us to be people of action, but what does it look like? This is kind of a, a just think of this question as we make this transition. What does it mean to be people of action when we are tired of all our attempts? <laughs> You're like, I hear I'm supposed to be a person of action, but like I'm tired. I've tried acting over and over and over again. Well, this is the action. Matthew 4.19, come follow me. That is the action Jesus is calling you to. 
Jesus isn't calling you to overcome your sin on your own. He's calling you, inviting you to come follow me. And as I, as I read that, I got this picture of yesterday, um, <clears throat> Elliot did his first full trip to the mailbox and back with me in his new cowboy boots that Cinnamon just bought him. Um, he, they were not the easiest shoes to walk in because cowboy boots, who knows why anyone ever wears them, except that you feel like a man, Okay. <laughs> And so that is why he chose his cowboy boots to obviously walk with me to the mailbox. And, and you know, and cowboy boots are clumsy. It's like heels for guys. And so uh, he's walking, and we have a gravel path. It's probably about 100 meters down. And, um, and, and so I'm holding his hand. And, of course, you know, he's feeling confident. He's a man. He's got his cowboy boots on. You know, he's got his jacket and his onesie and his cowboy boots. And so we're going down, and, and so he wants to, to go on his own, right? And so he lets go, and two steps, boom, gravel's in his hands. He's crying. You know, okay, pick him back up. He's, he's holding my hand. We keep going. He, you know, sees something he wants to go see. And so he goes, boom, gravel in the hands, crying. You know, that's, that's what it looks like. And, and how much that is like us with the Father. When he says, come follow me, the, Jesus is saying, the Father is saying, come hold my hand. Come with me. Come, come with me. And we go, okay, you're calling me for action. You know, and, and we, we go, and all of a sudden, what? We're, man, down on the ground, gravel in our hands, like, like Neosporin. That's what's happening, Right? Over and over and over again. The, to be people of action, to be people of repentance, and then people of action calls us to be people who are holding the hand. When it says, I consciously choose to commit my, all my life and will to Christ's care and control, it means I'm intentionally placing my hand in the hand of the Father. That is the action he's calling you to. Jesus has asked nothing of you that you should do alone. Jesus has asked nothing on you that you take and you go and he, you, you build. It's not a choose your own adventure, it is choosing to adventure with Jesus. That is what the action looks like here. So what makes us, what makes those who commit to Christ a distinct, different, holy community? Is it because we are bright powerful, ambitious people. Now that would make you feel real good if I said yes right now. You're like, yes, we are. That, that is not, what makes this a distinct, different, holy people is because we've committed to Christ to hold the hand of the Father, right? That is what we do. That is who we are. Now, I can think of so many stories over the years of ways we've seen this happen, both at the Refuge Church, at the Coffee Oasis also. Um, <clears throat> one that came to mind that Hannah and I were talking about this week is a good friend of ours, Lisa Henderson, which many of you know. And I share this story because she's shared her testimony here with everybody. And at one point, she shared these pictures of herself that, uh, of um, literally a, like a mugshot uh, when she was using, heavily using. And then, and then you see her now, just this beautiful lady, kids, godly mom, you know, just full of life. And you're like, how is that person this person? How is that? And, and you're like, what made the difference? 
because Lisa held the hand of the father. Imperfectly, we know Lisa. She's like here, there. She's no different than you and I, right? But now she is, without a doubt, a woman of God, amazing mom, right? How does that happen? Not because Lisa's bright or smart or anything. She is, she is amazing, amazing woman, but she has chosen to follow Jesus, committed to him with all the hiccups and hardships of life, all the habits that kept bringing her back. She kept walking forward with the hand of the Father. And that is available to you also. I 100% believe that. And it, is, it starts with these simple commitments. I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he is supreme ruler over all things. And I also believe that he raised Jesus from the dead. And if he raised Jesus from the dead, he also can raise me. He can resurrect me from the things that I'm struggling with. Now, <clears throat> I invite you to a couple of responses this week. And the first is celebration. I, I invite you who can right now look back on ways God has transformed your life, ways that you were once and now are, and, and just to take time to go, man, praise God that I, I see the resurrection happening in my life. Don't. Uh, you know, some people are really good at being self-critical. <laughs> and so you're always going to find something to be like, shame on me, right? Like some of you, <laughs> just go, man, God's been doing amazing stuff in my life. Like, I'm going to celebrate his work that I see. The second response could be repentance, a change of mind. That, that you come back knowing that you're, you're powerless, that you're not God, but that God is real and God's invited you to himself. That you need to repent and commit to Jesus. Take these actions of, of repentance. That it is not trivial to feel the weight of your wrong, to feel the weight of your sin. It is not trivial to, to know and grapple with the fact that it is wrong. To commit again to follow Jesus. Those are, that's like Elliot. When he, he falls down, he doesn't get up and keep going. He gets up and he comes, what? He comes back to me. He, he knows grasping my hand again is the way forward, Right? And that is what repentance does. And you will repent, like today will not be the last day that you repent, right? There's going to be another day where you pick yourself, brush yourself off and grab the hand of the Father and you're like, I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. So these two things, celebrate and repent. Guys, sometimes our lives feel like this cycle of celebration and repentance. And sometimes we need to ask the people around us, hey, what have you seen in my life? And sometimes your friends have this great angle. Man, I remember who you were and who you are now, and I just celebrate you. And that's so, so good to hear. So with that, I'm going to introduce communion and then uh, offer a prayer together. On the night Jesus was betrayed before he gave his life for us, Jesus took bread and he broke it, showing that his body would be broken for us. Think of all the ways that you have felt broken, broken, broken in your life. Jesus too is broken, but his brokenness was for your healing. In the same way he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. The covenant means Jesus is saying, I am making a commitment to you who have committed to me. I will never leave you or forsake you. You're mine. That is what the cup means. And so as you take it, I invite you to, to remember that. Let me pray for us. 
Dear God, I have tried to do it all by myself, on my own power, and I have failed. Today I want to turn my life over to you. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. You are the one and only higher power. I ask that you help me to think less about me and my will. I want to daily turn my will over to you, to daily seek your direction and wisdom for my life. Please continue to help me overcome my hurts, hang-ups, and habits, that victory over them may help others as they see your power at work in changing my life. Help me to do your will always. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.